0: I gotta tell you, I've been looking forward to meeting you for a long time. I'm a huge fan, John Wick. And so far, you haven't disappointed.
1: Huh? Is that the dog? He likes you. Me? I'm more
0: of a cat person myself. Hey, dog. We're the same, you know. Both given the same gift. We're not the same. Yes, we are. No, we're not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking we're back. Oh, my God. Hello, everyone, and welcome back uh, to the long-awaited 2023 premiere of podcast part three the part three podcast we're a little older we're a little wiser uh uh, but it's good to be back uh and uh i am sam and i am will and uh uh when we last left you we were going to do uh national lampoon's christmas vacation uh and unfortunately we did record that episode and uh in the subsequent uh Days, months, uh, what have you? We're, we had what I would call technical difficulties in that I had a baby, <laughs> and I am now very, very busy and tired.
0: There you are. Yes, yeah. So our uh, so National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation never made it to air.
1: It will. God. It maybe we'll do like a Christmas in July thing. You know, <laughs> it's still oh, yeah. it's still out there. And we had initially planned on doing uh, kicking things off this year with the three uh, third Terminators. But, uh, as I said before, tired and busy, and also all three-third Terminators are owned by different uh, studios, and therefore are never streaming at the same time. (laughs) So, in lieu of that, Will's second pick was 2017's John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum.
0: (laughs) Which, you know, for no real reason, I mean, there's no reason that John Wick could be on the brain right now, right? No,
1: not at all. None. (laughs) none. John Wick's never on the brain. He's only ever in our hearts. You That's know? right.
0: That's true. That's true. <sighs>
1: well. Uh, so where do you? How do you want to attack this, Sam? Uh, I mean, I guess we got to go back to the uh, the first movie, uh, which is crazy to think that it's been almost ten years since the first John Wick. It was twenty fourteen. Uh, uh, Keanu Reeves. It's the movie that made us all start to like Keanu Reeves again. Because there was like like every act like every actor like Keanu Reeves, there's a period where we all hate him for some reason, and then we realize that he's uh, seems to be a nice person and actually is a lot of fun in a lot of movies, and we like him, and we all feel a little <laughs> bad, and we've done that to Nicolas Cage as a society, we've done that to Keanu Reeves, every twelve years or so we do that to Ben Affleck for some reason. <laughs> I really don't know why.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. Affleck is always so strange. The cycle. Psych- I guess maybe it's just the movies that he ends up in. Yeah,
1: because Geely was going to be so much better with a different actor.
0: Right. But I mean, I, but I feel like he always sort of ends up in these like. Before he became a director, I feel like he always sort of. Ended up in these like truly dreadful movies, like a yeah. run of dreadful bad movies after bad movie after bad movie, and then he became a director, and it was like, oh yeah, yeah, ben Affleck kind of rocks.
1: <laughs> and then he did, and then he became Batman, and not a not even he liked himself for a while there. <laughs> but we're we're getting off topic. So the original John Wick uh, came out in 2014, and it is a movie that is you know compared to its sequels, is a pretty simple, self-contained movie, but it's the, it's just, it is a, it is like if you took uh, 70s and 80s action movies and, like, revenge movies and 90s stylized comic book movies like The Crow and Blade and The Matrix and uh, direct video action movies from the 2000s, like those undisputed sequels, put them in a blender and took out, like, like... A, a a Hitman action movie revenge thriller with the best hook to get you on board with your hero as, as humanly possible. Forget Taken. Forget your daughter's been kidnapped. No. The cutest beagle in the world has been murdered by Theon Greyjoy, who we already all hated in 2014. <laughs> so Keanu is, is gonna get revenge. And uh, Keanu is john wick and who is john wick he is the baba yaga he is (laughs) the most lethal killer the stuff of nightmares uh he they they, he's he killed like a hundred men with a pencil or something he's he's, (laughs) he's like the 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 killer that killers are afraid of
0: one of the best i think character introductions of the past decade i think is when john leguizamo calls michael nyquist and says they killed John Wick's dog and stole his car. And Michael Nyquist just looks so resigned and horrified, and all he says is,
1: oh, <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah, it's it's everything you need to know about this character, you learn in how other people react to him. In that, like, oh, we don't <laughs> want to piss this guy off. Yeah. And, oh, we're going to have to kill him because he's going to kill us. He's going to kill us. Just
0: on a matter of principle.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> so that yeah. in and of itself would be a pretty fun action movie, but the the first movie then became this entryway into this absolutely bananas world. The, the world around John Wick. The world of the high table and the continental and the Bowery. And I could go on and on. And it's, you know, the first movie did a... The, the first movie is... It avoids all the mistakes that Underworld made, where it got so yeah. bogged down in world building, and that it it used a very it didn't really bring up the high table, it didn't really bring up like like all the like like the the greater world at large. All you had was. In New York there is a hotel called the Continental and it's neutral ground and all the hitmen stay there. Yeah. And that's and, and that's great. It's and it's run by Ian McShane and Lance Reddick.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's uh and it it's like this weird sort of like off kilter, it feels like it's the like late fifties, early sixties. It feels very exclusive, but also everyone's like covered in tattoos and like, well, yeah. But you don't get a lot of that in the first movie. Well, but, but it's. I mean, you don't get a, a lot of. But you do get some of it in like when he goes to the bar. It's like they're playing all the like this this jazz songs going on, and and then and like everyone around them looks. You know, they everyone looks in this weird, weird out of time time yeah. period. But you only like, get like. A snippet of that world.
1: Yeah, the the like dispatch run by retired suicide girls, as an up to two. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it is it is like the, it feels like a world that it doesn't have any normal people in it. Everyone <laughs> is a hitman, and everyone is o- aware of the high table, who are these this mysterious cabal that kind of everything is done under the table. You know, they are they right. they rule everything, and. Y- uh, they're sort of they're hinted at, and then they uh, become a major part of the story in two in chapter two, and like the basically the primary antagonists in chapter three. Because all four John Wicks happen essentially one after the other, so it's been if you watch all four movies, it's just like two weeks of time, <laughs> uh, just just like of of yeah. John Wick upending the entire crime organiz criminal organization <laughs> this... of the planet. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and it's so interesting to sort of the way that they, the way that the John Wick sequels didn't sort of become like the Death Wish sequels where it's like oh another puppy of his got hurt or like no. oh no this time it's a cat this time it's a parakeet. What they did is they just decided no we're gonna double down on this world that we've created and and explore all sorts of different nooks and crannies and how much this world can. Fuck John Wick over.
1: <laughs> yeah. While well, John Wick at the same time. At the beginning of the first movie, uh, he got out. He got out of the life, which no one does. Like no you either die or you just do it forever. He found a way out. He married, he was happy, uh, he'd left his past behind, but then his wife tragically got sick and died, and that's and and she left him uh the puppy so he'd have something to like keep him centered and focused so he wouldn't go back to that life, and then they the goons kill the kill his puppy and steal his car and that just creates this snowball effect. But through the other movies it's him basically now that he's been dragged back in, it's him trying to get back out. Right. And that's like his goals. He just he just wants to go back he doesn't want to be in this world anymore. No,
0: he yeah, and and a lot of the the sequels sort of deal with this this dual identity that he has of of John and John Wick, you know, John Wick being the the, the identity in the this criminal underworld uh, that he is a part or was a part of, and John being his his, his, his the normal life he had uh, had at some you know five years before the start of the the first movie, um, and uh, it's I don't know, it's such a wild franchise that. Each movie has gotten a bigger and bigger budget, um, and each movie has had more and more elaborate action sequences. And um, and it, and I mean, I guess we got to talk about uh, Chad Staholski and um, uh, oh my God, why am I blanking on on the other guy's name? David um, David Leach. David Leach, who they well, they co-directed the first one, yeah. but he's off. He
1: went on. David, David Leach went on to do. He did Atomic Blonde. He did Deadpool two. He just did Bullet Train. Also an action guy, but Chad Stahelski came out of the world of, like, stunts and second unit work. And he crossed paths with Keanu Reeves. He was Keanu's stunt double on the first Matrix and became the martial arts stunt coordinator on the second two movies. Yeah. And he has the longest, like, stunt and action resume of the 21st century of anyone. And, uh, you know, he, like, the, the thing that makes these movies work is they have these brilliantly... Uh, executed action sequences that never feel too crazy, but like are like they never, they don't they're not like visual effects showcases, right. but they're also uh, constantly creative, constantly like well paced, well edited, and uh, they always drive the plot forward in in and one they're... form or another.
0: Right. I mean, and I I think you know. Uh... It's sort of a cliche to, to equate action sequences to like musicals, um, but I, but they really do feel like that in this in this franchise in particular. Like when the emotions begin to get too big, instead of bursting out in a song, everyone just tries to kill
1: each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 choreography. Yeah, at oh, its heart, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, I love all four of these movies. I think they're they're just so much fun and are and i I love the the bananas world that like everything is like it you hear words like the adjudicator or the harbinger and you're like well that's kind of dumb and then it ends up looping back to being awesome
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) well they commit to it this isn't like marvel like this isn't like ant-man and the wasp quantumania where they put in modok but everyone thinks modok is silly this is does this takes itself seriously and yeah. it's, you know, it doesn't mean it's not fun, but it's never like, no one, there's no like comic relief character that doesn't know the world and has to have everything explained to him. It's, it's like everyone is, is doing it with a straight face, and each movie is populated by like character actors who 100% know how to uh, commit to this material
0: yeah and it's and, and what's cool also is that they also drag in action stars from you know direct to video stuff or up and comers into the or you know like donnie yen like major action star worldwide action stars um they bring them into this world and they and one of the things that Chad stahelski just knows what to do is knows how to use them not only for their physical attributes but actually as performers as like 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 he knows how to be like, okay, here's how we use them as actors too.
1: Yeah. You know? It's it's just they're so inventive in uh, the way they yeah, in the way all the you have all these different killers who many of them also are like very well shaded characters. You know, we're talking about three, but to talk about John Wick four, Donnie Yen in John Wick four plays a blind assassin. Now John yeah. Donnie Yen has already played a blind assassin in or a blind martial arts guy, guy <laughs> Jedi fan in Rogue One, <laughs> but the way they u- utilize the character being blind as part of how he fights and how he kills people in yeah. John Wick 4 is so cool and inventive and, like, uh, actually makes a... like They they make the character blind, but they, they you know, they don't... It's not just to make him seem cooler because he can kick ass. No. It, it's a hindrance and he has to yeah. work around it, as opposed to, like, Rogue One where he just... You know he he's blind, but he can kick ass and see. He can use the It, it, it force, wouldn't even yeah. matter with the character, you know. Yeah,
0: exactly. And and in this one in particular, you have um, Mark DeCascos, who sort of comes out of direct to TV, direct to TV, sorry, direct to video um, action stuff and or and other Iron things. Chef, if, if or Iron that. Chef, if you. Um, <laughs> And he, they make him. And at first, when you first see him, he he's a sushi chef who become who's a samurai. And you're like, okay, I've kind of seen this character before. And he's like, he credibly kicks ass. He's awesome. And then what you find out is he's just sort of like this dorky John Wick fanboy. And it just it gives the, the character something that I don't think you'd see in other movies. You know, it's, you wouldn't.
1: It's like yeah. a grounded, more developed version of like what you'd find in like a Quentin Tarantino movie that would go super style. Like it's, it's, it could be in the same world as Kill Bill,
0: but it feels
1: so much more developed and so much more like grounded compared to Kill Bill, which is, you know, obviously it's, it's Tarantino and everything he does is heightened, but, uh, and, and doesn't like, isn't afraid to directly reference the things it's lifting from. But uh, it's a similar thing of, like, it does feel like this just... It's almost a fantasy world. It's like an anime oh, yeah. world or, or, like, Blade Runner or something like yeah. that. Everything, everything's wet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's wet.
0: Everything's neon.
1: Yeah, um, everyone everyone tra- does transactions with, like, the the special coins. You yeah, know?
0: gold coins, and, you know, there you, you go to the library and you, you open it and there's, there's the stuff you hid in, in the... <laughs> In the library.
1: The Continental has, like, a guy that'll outfit you with guns. The, he's the sommelier, but the he sommelier. has, like, guns and knives, and he's Peter Serafinowitz <laughs> and it's awesome. And, you know, every—all like, the all over the world there are Continental hotels. There's this network of neutral hotels. Co- consecrated ground. Yeah, uh, yes. Because there's a weird, like, religious angle to all of this, too.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and that's the other thing that I love about these movies. I mean, these movies are not subtle in any way in their, their references, but it, it, there's a lot of like mythological and literary references just like strewn about. And it's not just random and it's not just like pretentious either. It is like, they make John Wick this sort of like a combination of like Orpheus and Sisyphus and Hercules sort of all in, in one in this, this strange world. And, uh, and there are, like, references to Dante's Inferno and Paradise Lost and, like, all these things. And it's, like, you wouldn't think an action movie with this, like, intricate action would be this smart,
1: you know? Yeah, absolutely. But it's, like, they are, like, very thoughtful movies. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. even though they're, like frenetically paced and uh you know uh, really all about the action at the end but you know john wick as a character is very different than a lot of like action stars or even other keanu reeves characters for that matter
0: yeah um i think i think chapter three is sort of the lesser of them um i'm actually inclined to agree uh uh, i i think which is sort of like saying it's a B plus and everything else is an A, you know, like it's, it's, it's not bad, but I just, I think, I think this movie kind of meanders a little bit. And particularly in the middle, it kind of like drags.
1: I, I think it's also the, the problem is the best action sequences in the movie are the first two. And they're like in the yeah. first, like the, the one in Casablanca with Halle Berry and uh, the, the opening sequence, which is just awesome where he kills yeah. a man using a horse as a weapon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and he, yeah. and he does the Tuco uh, from Good, the Bad, and the Ugly bit where he's got to build the gun.
0: That's right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, the knife sequence is just incredible. Yeah, in like, in
1: antique shop with g- knives, and he's like they're coming up to get him, and he's like slowly building this gun. And the best part of the whole sequence is all the time he takes to build a gun, he only gets one shot off. <laughs> <laughs> he only has time to get one bullet in the gun. And,
0: yeah, and then it becomes the um, playing Golden knife but with knives only.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it is very much. You start with the guns, then you go to knives, and then it's slappers only by the end of it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's because it it kind of is front loaded, and then by the time you get you get back to New York, um, then it just sort of feels like the action becomes a little repetitive and kind of it it kind of runs in place a bit. It's impressive. It's all impressively staged, but it's just kind of. It's just a little draggy. Yeah, know.
1: well, the big, it's, it's, there's a big gun battle in the Continental, but it's, you know, it's the first time they introduce like, the faceless high table goons. Right. And, like, yeah. a bunch of, like, uh, I don't know, bellhops or whoever that we've never met before. <laughs> uh, and it just, it's all, like, kind of in the dark, and, like, there's smoke grenades, and it just, it, it feels a little, it, it lacks that John Wick flavor, yeah. And and then like the main the the, the best part of the third act action-wise is the stuff with him and Mark DeCascos and the guys from the fucking the raid. raid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those guys are so awesome.
0: Yeah, and it yeah. is I mean I, I mean it for for our listeners uh, who have not seen either of the raid films, they are these uh banana pants action movies out of the Philippines, right? Uh Indonesia. Um, Indonesia. Yeah. Um and uh and I mean it's influ- it, those movies have influenced action movies going down the you know uh almost as much as the John Wick movies have and um uh they just a lot of very clean martial arts sequences but very
1: brutal martial yeah, arts sequences. Absolutely brutal like more brutal than anything in John Wick and John Wick yeah. is pretty damn brutal. Yeah. But yeah, these two guys, uh, Sesip Arif Rahman and Yayan Ruhian, uh, are, the, are the two in this. And they're the, they're like, each one's like the main one on one adversary at the end of the first and second raid movie. Right. And they just, like, I, I love that fight <laughs> sequence because they both, like, really respect John Wick. And, but they keep not like in, I think in real life I feel like I read this somewhere that like in real life during the fights they kept just inadvertently knocking Keanu Reeves on his ass because they were just <laughs> so badass and he's Keanu was like we gotta keep that in the movie so they're just yeah. whipping the shit out of John Wick and he's just like okay hang on slow down slow yeah. down it's like, I
0: love that I love
1: that scene where the, or that
0: moment where they, they reach down to let him up and he gets up he's like I, I don't want your hands stop it yeah. <laughs>
1: Gets to get his belt off yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> whips them yeah. Oh, yeah, Man,
1: I think it was also Keanu. He lets them live at the end of that yeah. sequence, and I think that yeah. was Keanu was like, I don't want, to, I can't kill these two. No <laughs> one will believe that. <laughs> no, it's
0: uh, it is a, it. That stuff is great, and the fight with with Mark de is great too. Um, but yeah, it's just I think it's that it's the problem is is that that big gunfight uh, leading into that it just sort of wears you down and makes you feel exhausted. Um, in a way that the other movies don't, even part four, which is the like the most heavily like all action all the time of them, doesn't make you feel as exhausted as sort of as this one does.
1: Yeah, I, this one also has, I would say, maybe the only miscast part in the entire franchise, and that's when they go to meet. He goes to meet the elder yeah, in, in North Africa, and it's yeah. it's Said from like Three Kings, and he's in Wonder Woman. He's a great actor, but he doesn't. He's Ten years younger than Keanu Reeves, and he has—he looks the same now as he did in like Three Kings in nineteen ninety nine. He hasn't <laughs> aged at all, but it's like that part for the buildup. If you're going to see the dude above the high table, you want—I don't know—like Omar Sharif. You want—you uh, yeah, yeah. want the guy that played Saladin in Kingdom of Heaven. It's got to be someone who feels older and like more powerful. Uh, and it's—you know—the scene's great. It's just that—that's like that character. Uh, just felt like, I, I don't know, he he felt like weirdly disconnected from the rest of the movie to me.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't... I think part of the problem is really only in this one. I don't feel it in the others, but it's that the high table is not explained enough here to understand what the elder means or does.
1: You you want yeah. you, you're
0: you're told he's the one that sits above the table. Is he
1: like but... Keith Richards in Pirates of the Caribbean 3 <laughs> yeah, where he, he kind of like be. he must be like the guy that looks at the rule book or something? <laughs> he must
0: be. He must be. And it's like, you know, I mean, in one so it's it's one of those things where it's I I think these movies do a pretty good job of not um Being a lore delivery service where it's just sort of like, here, we're going to explain these rules and then you're going to have to sort of figure it out. Um, But this is a moment where I feel like the movie should have, should have sort of like laid it out of like what this means and why it's important.
1: I really do feel like these movies are actively trying to resist the cliche of like showing the high table as, you know, like it's the vampire high council or I, like you know, it's like something like that. So, but you you kind of you don't ever get a sense of them except through their like emissaries and their goons. So,
0: <laughs> I mean, the only member uh, you only really ever meet, I guess, technically, two members of the High Table across the four movies, uh, which is um, um, Santino, uh, right? Santino in yeah. Chapter Two, and, I his mean, sister, well, and his sister, and his sister, who sister, we, we get whose we sister replaced. is actually part of the yeah. <laughs> High Table, and then when. John Wick kills her,
1: and he was uh, going. And then Santino wants to take her place, but it, it doesn't work out for him. No, because <laughs> uh, uh, and then in the fourth movie you got Bill Skarsgård as the um, uh, the Marquis, but the he's not
0: he's not actually on the high table, right? He's just sort of a guy that they hired to deal with John Wick.
1: I guess, right? Yeah. is so that, that's the implication? Have we never seen the high table besides not... the one person right before they die?
0: Yeah, that's oh, the wow. only member. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's still like imposing, and they and they have all these rules, and they seem like very inflexible dicks. Uh,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's another thing that sort of feels very mythological to me is that always in, you know, particularly in the Greek myths, there's all these inscrutable, annoying, petty rules that if you don't follow, it will fuck your life up forever. They,
1: <laughs> they are like the Greek or Roman gods who yeah. were like sat uh, on Mount Olympus and were assholes. And, you know, <laughs> exactly. that that's like all gods in ancient myth up to and including Christianity are just just dicks. They're, oh, to quote Giant. Keanu Reeves in Constantine, God's a kid with an ant farm. (laughs) Exactly. Also, Constantine is so, like, a prototype John Wick. Every character in Constantine would be on the high table. (laughs) Like, Jimon Hunsu, Gavin Rossdale, Tilda Swinton, they're all, they all would fit right in.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, uh... You know, Keanu brought in Peter Stormare for, for chapter two.
1: That's true, yeah. And you know? Keanu like works with a lot of the a lot of the same behind the scenes people throughout all his movies. Yeah. Like uh, Daniel Bernhardt is to uh, Keanu Reeves the way like Sven Thorsen is to Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> that's,
0: that's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's in chapter. He's in the first one. He's right? in the first
1: he's one. The whole uh, nightclub uh, in the sequence. nightclub sequence. And yeah. he's uh, one of the main agents in the second two Matrix yeah. movies. He's also yeah. in a very good episode of Barry.
0: No, oh. I still need to see Barry. I need to see Barry. I, I'm
1: behind. It's not going anywhere. It'll be out there on Max for you. <laughs> yeah, <maybe>. yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and, but and I think part of it now, sort of having seen. At least how this portion of this saga ends, uh this really does feel like a bridge chapter to part four from part two to part four
1: you yeah know? well it's it's kind of like um like the if John Wick the first one is like the original Halloween two three, and four, like this the, the follow up trilogy, yeah exactly you know, it's like it's exactly. like okay we we like we sold the pilot now we can like <laughs> delve in, you know we've got Amer- America is on board with John Wick and they are on board with the consequences that come with threatening or killing a hitman's dog which <laughs> just don't no one seems to learn across all four of these movies do not if if you're a assa- if you meet an assassin and they have a dog do not threaten the dog you will regret it
0: <laughs> you will regret it if the exactly. human
1: doesn't make you sorry the dog will <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah, this this feels like in a in a way. I mean, and the title is it, it's the only one that has a subtitle, Parabellum, which uh, means prepare
1: for war. Although it's part of like a longer quote. which Yeah, is, if you, you want, want peace, prepare for prepare war. for war, which just sounds like something some, uh, like alt right knob would have on their Twitter profile or something. Yes. You
0: know? Yeah. Exactly. But this is definitely sort of leading into part uh, chapter four, which. Is in a sense a war movie for this world. Yeah. Um. So it, it it is a bridging chapter, sort of taking it from sort of the smaller scale stuff to the bigger action that you'll see in in part four.
1: Yeah. And and well, another thing I do kind of wish is there there's a little more continuity in the supporting characters because every yeah. movie sets up some cool supporting characters and then you don't really see them again. Like I I think Asia Kate Dillon is great in this movie yeah. and they're, they're not in the fourth one. Uh, and like Commons in the second, but I was kind of hoping he'd show up again in the in the third. Yeah. What you do get with every movie is a new Continental run by a new beloved character actor.
0: Uh, you know. <laughs> Franco Nero in Chapter Two, yeah. Uh,
1: uh, Hall- Halle Berry in three, and Hiroyuki Yuki in in uh, in four.
0: And they each and they, oh, Franco Nero doesn't really, but um, but they each get their own giant action scenes.
1: Yes, uh, the, the sequence <laughs> in 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 this with Halle Berry. Uh, and him and the dogs is just awesome because it's it's, it's it's again much like uh, Donnie Yen's blindness informs how that character fights. Halle Berry's relationship with her two uh, 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 Malinois affect uh, uh, like informs how she fights.
0: She's great in this movie too. I mean, she's not in it for very long, but she's she's. You know she does sort of walk away with the movie almost oh
1: yeah no she's she's great they do a good job setting up like that these two characters have a history and he he did her he like he did her a solid she's not happy to be helping him <laughs> no. she is not happy to be helping him uh but you know i think they respect each other and it's 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 it makes for a great he he meets throughout these movies you know various allies and enemies, and a lot of people that kind of function in between you know yeah. not no one is happy that John Wick came back. No one is happy that he can 't seem to get out of this world, but they also are all bound to these rules uh you know in the in the so it 's like in in this one he 's just trying to get a, an audience with the the high table, and that leads to just mass chaos and carnage,
0: <laughs> yeah, just all sorts of mayhem. And everyone um, that's d-
1: helped him leading up to this has to, like, answer for it to the high. So, like, Lawrence Fishburne, the Bowery King, gets sliced up, and Angelica yeah. Houston gets her hands stabbed. It's, you know, it goes on and on.
0: I mean, and talking about, you know, side characters in this movie, I mean, just the castless alone. Angelica Houston, Halle Berry, Lawrence Fishburne. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty impressive who they managed to pull into these things.
1: Yeah, um, which is what brings me to Will. John Wick Dreamcasting, lightning round. Okay, who do you? Who has not been in one of these movies? Who do you want, and who would they play? Oh shit!
0: Oh no! Uh, now I'm on the spot. Um, you go, Sam. I'm gonna think.
1: Uh, manager of the Continental in Paris, Christophe Lambert.
0: Oh shit! Yes, yes. Damn, that's good. That's a good one. I'm frozen, Sam. I can't. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you're I'm not, not literally. Like, you're not literally, I'm like literally frozen. frozen. I'm just. Uh, I'm stuck.
1: Who would be the uh who's the continental uh who runs the continental in LA? There's your question.
0: Oh yeah, that is a good question.
1: Who's running the like it's just the W, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> One over in Beverly like, Hills.
0: I feel like it's gotta be somebody sorta young, um, sorta hip. I don't know. Chris Hemsworth seems like too no, that's, obvious that's too, too young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Oh. Uh like if he if you keep him looking like '80s slick still, Michael Douglas, like oh, like like yeah. an aging Gordon Gecko,
0: um, I w- I don't think he'd fit as a as a manager at Continental, but Michael Keaton would be fun in this world.
1: Yeah, Michael Keaton, Peter Weller,
0: Peter Weller, yeah, he'd be great. Yeah, he'd be great. Sort of these weird, quirky character actors you can sort of plug in
1: anywhere. For sure, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, they'll eventually fit Carrie Ann Moss in there with the rest of the Matrix cast. <laughs> this one's got the key ma- the Keymaker and uh, Morpheus.
0: That's right. Uh, the Keymaker's also in um, the first one, too. He's the doctor in the first John Wick. Oh,
1: God. Uh, yeah, it's I the same character. It. Yeah, but, I haven't um, seen it in so long. I uh, that Because that one does feel so removed from the other three. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's also it also doesn't look... I mean, they all sort of have a, this similar vis- visual palette, but it doesn't have um two three and four all have the same dp um the the john wick the first one doesn't have the same dp as the other well i
1: and i think it's like after the first one chad stahelski clearly like found his footing and his his visuals as a director you know it's it's and it's incredibly common especially in like hong kong and japanese cinema for like martial arts uh, guys to direct their own movies. Jackie Chams yeah. directed a ton of his own movies, you know. And uh, yeah. same with uh, dancers. Gene Kelly uh, w- and Fred Astaire would direct a lot of their movies. Gene Kelly co-directed *Singing in the Rain*. So I think once those guys are working with people they're comfortable with, it's it's very easy to craft good action scenes. Yeah. It's it is not. I, I say this dead serious. It is not unlike porn stars often end up directing porn when they <laughs> a, when they age out of the uh, the the. the <laughs> being in front of the camera
0: (laughs) no it's true i mean and i think because they understand how to how to you know how how the camera needs to move where the camera needs to be placed how how the actors need to be placed uh having come from the stunt background or or porn background if you if you will and uh no i mean i think it it makes a ton of sense and what's interesting is that chad Sahelski didn't get plugged into some franchise machine after the first John Wick. No. He's been doing John Wick movies for 10 years.
1: Yeah, no, to his and to his credit, because yeah. I think these movies have something that you don't get a lot of in American cinema, which is really, really good action sequences. Like, yeah. it's not that they're rated R and they're super bloody. It's just that they are so meticulously executed and it's you know i don't want to look it is as fashionable as all get out to bag on the marvel movies but you know their action sequences rely on a ton of special effects they don't always have directors that are like well versed in uh in crafting action scenes and it's it's it is like comparing like a a jet lee movie made in hong kong to like that third mummy right. where like <laughs> if you got jet lee and michelle Yo, and the director doesn't know how to shoot them, so it ends up just being this over edited, choppy thing where you can't tell what's going on. It's yeah. it's and it's the same thing with like shootouts or sword fights or anything.
0: Yeah, well, and and also I think there's like you're saying there's a tactile quality to these movies that I, the Marvel movies are just increasingly sort of lacking. And I think part of that is is the whole like they design their action sequences, you know, two or three years before like they actually have a script you know and it's sort of built around these these sequences that have no real you know beginning or end points you know what i mean sure yeah um and there's there's more i just feel like these these movies feel and i think this is why they're so successful in a lot of ways i think it's it's these movies feel personal is a strange term, but they feel very much like handmade and that the people behind them are all the same and that they, like, really care about them.
1: They care about the action scenes. They care about them the same way they care about the, the, you know, they care about the the poetry as much as the prose.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like, and it's the same thing with musicals. When you get directors that don't know how to shoot musical sequences or choreography, like 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 i don't know I, again he's i don't want to single people out but like rob marshall gets to do tons of musicals and there's they're edited the way like over edited action sequences are so right. you think of like you go back you, you want to go back to like fred astaire and all that fred astaire is one camera locked down and they just pan back and forth and let him do his thing you know <laughs> yeah. that, that it's yeah. and it's the same thing with action sequences there's a in in john wick 4 there's a single continuous sequence, all shot overhead, and it's not done with CGI. And it's, it's just you. You don't. It's so fluid, and so like it's weird to say understated, but you don't even realize how incredible it is until and afterwards because you're so right? caught up in it. And yeah, it's the same with like with any of the like, the sequence in Casablanca and this, and the um the fights in like that like weird glass uh foyer <laughs> at the Continental are the same way. It's like the Geography is clear enough, and the concept of it is ju- is 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 understandable enough that the flashiness the flashiness is lifting up everything the the meat as opposed to being prioritized over the dramatic stakes.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah, exactly, and it it all it all feels so effortless that you you again you don't re- it, they make it look easy, so you don't realize sort of at the at the end of the day like oh god that must have been really fucking complicated to put together (laughs) yeah you know because like i think you know i didn't i liked kingsman the first kingsman i didn't haven't seen any of the other movies but like that sequence in the church do you know what i'm talking about oh yeah colin yeah yeah yeah, colin firth ways lace to the whole ways lace to the whole thing it's one of those things where it's like i can't conceive of sort of how they put it together but it is such a flashy showy sequence that it almost makes you think that you know it's like how yeah. did they get how did who came up with this how did they put this all together and how did they edit it how did they make it and it's like the John Wick movies you get to the you get to the end and you're like oh fuck
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, I I yeah. saw the um the King's Man and it's it's got like a I it got a couple of fun sequences in it uh especially some fun like it's a great sword fight between and Hunsu and Rasputin. <laughs> and it's Rasputin, like, doing, like, Russian dancing... Russian dance fighting, basically. But it's, like, that movie, the problem is it's world-building, it is so bogged down in, like, right. World War One history on top of everything else that it it's, like, it, it's... uh, It's too much breathing room between the, like, set pieces. Yeah. Right. Especially coming off of the first movie or, or just any of Matthew Vaughn's stuff that is so action-forward.
0: Yeah, I feel like he's a very... I don't, I don't mean this as a, a negative, but I feel like he's a very showy director. Like he's like, he likes to show off. And I mean, oh, that's sure. not, it's not a bad thing, but it just, I, I, it's a, it's different sort of in the way that the, the John it's, Wick movies are constructed.
1: It's what's required of the Mark uh, Millar properties he options.
0: <laughs> well, that too. Yes.
1: Yeah. Ruben Blades. Ruben Blades would be great.
0: Yeah. He would be great. He would be great.
1: Danny Glover would be a good one too. Yeah, I could see Danny Glover in there. Uh, he's in too much stuff now. Giancarlo Esposito would otherwise be great, but he's he's he's, he's in too much stuff. He's he's <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't need the sag and sag uh, hours.
0: I've been uh, I've been watching Succession, and uh, uh, Brian Cox seems like he would he could be a good
1: uh, oh yeah a good yeah. John Wick uh, cast member running the Continental in London.
0: Old friends with uh, with Winston or something. Oh, for sure. yeah. All
1: <laughs> oh, right, Ian McShane is British. It's not like he's like the quintessential <laughs> New York guy. I guess we're gonna uh, we're gonna see Mel Gibson in the Continental in the series. Continental
0: series, yeah. Can't escape s- him. No, I am excited
1: for Ballerina, even though it stars your uh, your enemy, Anna De Armas.
0: No, 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 no. I I I don't have a problem with Anna De Armas. I just don't understand why everyone loves her. That's that's all. That's I funny. don't
1: know cuz of all the good stuff she's been in and she... oh, all right. well all right. all right will humor me go don't watch all of no time to die it's like 3 <laughs> hours long you're a busy man but watch the Havana sequence in no time to die and you will fall in fall in love with Anna de Armas all over again cuz she walks <laughs> off with that movie and then you are sad that she's gone okay
0: all right. Like I said, I don't have a problem with Anadarma. I just, I, I just don't understand the love. And while I'm, I'm excited for Ballerina, the Len Wiseman of it all sort of makes me go, ooh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> However, I mean, he's sort of a good journeyman director. He's not a terrible action director, and the 8711 crew is probably on top of things. So yeah, no, you know. it's fine.
1: Len Wiseman got to eat. You know, it's, it's all good. It's uh it's uh it's, he's not the worst director in uh, the history of the Underworld franchise. <laughs> I guess
0: I'm trying to think. Did he direct... How many did he not direct? I guess... Well, uh, he didn't
1: direct guess... the one I had to watch for this no, show. He, he
0: no, he did not direct that
1: one. I was... Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I think as, as part threes go, I mean, this is a rock-solid sequel. It does everything yeah. you need in a sequel. It expands the world, raises the stakes, introduces new characters, and sets you up to continue the story. It's not the conclusion of a trilogy it actually feels yeah. more like the middle chapter of a trilogy
0: yeah it, yeah yeah i think i think you're right sam i think two three and four function as their own uh, uh trilogy in in a, in this in this franchise you know because john wick one is sort of its very own self-contained thing yeah whereas two three and four sort of con- you know they all continue on flow into the other
1: yeah for sure yeah um, but next week I'm thinking, uh, I guess it's my pick. Is it my pick?
0: <laughs> I think it's I, your pick. I think pick. this is, yeah. this was
1: like your second choice. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Arnold could be in one of these movies. He'd be fun. Arnold would He'd be, be fun. fun. Uh, yeah. yeah. They, it would be basically like doing his expendables role, but better.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably get a bunch of the expendables guys. I mean, uh, <sighs> they're, also,
1: they're also, they're too, they're too poppy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like like I don't know what it is about those expendables. like he, Statham is in the correct action franchise for Statham right now. And yeah, uh yeah. uh Terry Crews uh is is he was he's he's more and of he's, a funny guy. He's too funny. He's too, uh, Wesley Snipes though. Wesley oh, Snipes would yeah. be a good one. Cuz he can play he can he he has range. Yeah, he can do exactly. funny and he can do uh dolomite.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, what's your what where where are we headed?
1: Well, next speaking week. of the Expendables, I'm thinking Rocky Three.
0: Oh, all right, all right. I was
1: trying to organically do a, so set it up so it'd be, I could go like my prediction, my my, my prediction for the next movie, Pain. <laughs> but I I couldn't organically make it work because I'm very tired because of the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't as as much as everyone warned me how hard it would be. You're never going to be adequately warned for how hard it will be, and no one tells you how weird they are. Oh yeah, kids and are then, so and,
0: weird. And the strange noises they make oh, and yeah, they, the weird weird like like. <laughs> yeah, she, had she had does a lot of that,
1: did. like cartoon bear <laughs> sleeping, and a lot of just yep. screaming in the middle yeah, of night. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's always always fun.
1: But yes, next week, Rocky Three. Uh, it's uh, it's the one that's got all the dumb stuff you love from Rocky Four without any of the really dumb stuff from Rocky Four. <laughs>
0: that's great. I mean, I and uh, I can't say I've seen Rocky Three, so uh, this will be this will be
1: a new. Uh... Oh, you'll like Rocky. Rocky Three is going to be fun. It's 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 not as good as Rocky, but it's less boring than Rocky Two.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: Until then, will good to be back. It is you good know? to be
0: back, and it's it's uh, good to be talking talking movies with you. Uh,
1: we're and... both we're both very uh, busy. It's always nice to carve out this little bit of time. Exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, until uh, we see you in Philadelphia, uh, have a great night, and uh, we'll uh, we'll three you later.
0: Hey, okay. I like that. I'm
1: bringing it back. I'm bringing three it back.
0: Three you later. I like it. It's good. It's
1: good. <laughs> Thank you for being nice and polite about it. <laughs> uh, good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>